Hello, well, welcome to another episode of the Rogue Retro Smackdown Review here on the Rogue Opinions Podcasting feed. I am your host, Scott McLeod, and I know you're surprised, like, another episode just a week later. You know, it's been a while since that happened. But, you know, as, as emotional as it was, me and Seth's violence, so you can't live in the past forever. You know, I'm start my journey very quickly to get my new co-host. I haven't found anybody for a minute yet. So for the next few weeks, you're probably just going to hear, you know, a revolving door potentially of one-off stand-in co-host until at least after King of the Ring. Well, Sam will be back to uh, talk about King of the Ring and maybe we'll have a third person in there because, you know, sometimes those three-way pay-per-view discussions are quite fun. But who did I get to fill in on such short notice as a temporary co-host? Well, somebody who definitely wouldn't want to do this with me on a more full-time basis because, you know, this 2000 smackdown with all these different number one contenders and the lead up to King of the Ring. It's just not wacky enough for him. He's, he needs something more NXT 2.0 based in his wrestling diet, which is already very limited. He is Nathan Greenaway. Hello, Nathan. Hello. Hello. So it's nice, guys. You heard that lovely intro for me where I was told that it's already not going to work out. We'll get you to do a probationary period, but then off, off and away with you. Um, but, but yeah, am I like your rebound then? <laughs> because you just came in, you're like, the marriage is over, but I've already moved on. So um, I, is it, are you like the 50-year-old rich accountant and I'm like <laughs> the 21 fresh out of school uh, blonde girl? Yes, you are the cat. I am Jerry Lawler. That's, that's, yeah. that's <laughs> the age difference. <laughs> but, you know... We are that toxic relationship, which we know will never work, but we somehow manage to find ourselves back here. I mean, I mean, be honest with yourself, Nathan. Would you really want to... You set this podcast up so you'd never have really had to talk about wrestling on a regular basis. So would you willingly want to be my co-host on a wrestling podcast from stuff 20-odd years ago when you barely watch anything going on now? Not 2000. I think my peak SmackDown is probably like 2000, late 2002, the Paul Heyman bit. Uh, with the SmackDown 6. That was the best. Um, 2003 and 2004. And then I would probably bail at the start of 2000. I'll bail um, after WrestleMania 21. Okay, so 2002, 2005. That's, that's yeah. when we'll get Nathan as a co-host. But, you know, for the two years between that <laughs> now and then... We need somebody with a bit more reliability. <laughs> I don't remember anything from 2001, so let's not rule out 2001 uh, completely. I uh, mean, Nathan says that now, but I bet you even if we brought him in 2002, after three weeks, he'd be like, yeah, I can't be honest, this is not as good as I remember, and he'd bugger off. Or I'd be like, I've seen this before, I don't need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how reviewing shit works, Nathan. <laughs> I don't know. It depends. It depends who you can find. You have uh, your um, your like list of contacts is uh, quite quite small and not very reliable. <laughs> so basically, you're telling me you're referring to me. Oh, well, Scott has no friends that will podcast with. Him. No, I think committing starting off the podcast by saying I will have a revolving door of guests <laughs> when you don't have a list of guests in said revolving door. It's risky because now people are going to think, oh, good, I'm going to listen to next week's one because that fucking Nathan won't be on it. And then in three weeks' time, you'll be like, well, he's back. 
Well, I don't want to give away who's who's going to be a part of this role, and don't want to be a surprise for people. And definitely not to do with the fact I don't know who it's going to be. Hey, the but, Godfather said he'd want to pop in. Yeah. Knowing me, we'll find an episode that he wasn't even fucking on. <laughs> That'd be really funny he did. Or it'll be oh, someone that he fucking hates, and he'll just go on a rant. Which would be pretty good. Uh, I'd love. I would have loved for him when we get to a certain match. I would have loved for him to uh, to have been on this show uh, just to talk about that weird match that he has with Dean Malenko against Too Cool. But we'll we'll cover that in a little bit. But you know, Nathan, we don't get to plug it just you and me uh, a lot. I think there's probably a good reason for that. But I even checked our Skype uh, before we started the last podcast we recorded. I think it was dated in September. So I'm pretty sure it was that weird drinking rules, extreme rules podcast that we did. Oh God, was that that long ago? Was that yeah. the one where um I wanted to do it strictly because who? What match was it? Was it Jeff Hardy v Sheamus? And no, I was like, I yeah, I'm down for this. Oh yeah, yeah, they were in like a triple threat with Damian Priest, and then that was the one where Van Balor went under the top rope, and then the rope broke. <laughs> oh God, yeah, that was weird. It wasn't very extreme. <laughs> yeah. And before that, I'm pretty sure the last thing we did, just you and me, was Money Plane before that. Oh, God, Money Plane. Money Plane was better than Extreme Rules. There must be a Kelsey Grammer <laughs> movie out that we can watch. There's uh, like a sci-fi one that I keep seeing posters for. Or archaeology, something like that. It's on Prime, anyway. You're already paying for it. Uh-huh. Um, I might try and dig that out and make you do it. I can't even remember what it's called. You're trying to just kill my love of Kelsey Grammer with just one bad movie at a time. <laughs> well, if his political opinions didn't do it. <laughs> you watch that sci-fi movie, then we can watch him in Transformers 4, which is a bad movie that he somehow manages to be good in. He's a great actor, but he's obviously got yeah. no box office because man spends his time doing weird stuff. He, he's... He, He's been living off those future residuals for, for far too long. Guardians of the Tomb. <laughs> that's what that's what he's in. An innocent discovery of a well-preserved mummified Chinese emperor from 200 BC unearths a 2,000-year-old nightmare, a secret that should have remained buried. It just seems like that, the sequel to that. I just know like the description from that third shit mummy movie that they did like 10 years after anyone gave a shit about it oh yeah God, that was bad that was really bad and then they decided to make a oh wait are you on about the third one or the Tom Cruise one the third one about uh, wait, the third Brendan Fraser one yeah that was bad as well where it was like the mummy isn't back this time but it's a different one <laughs> <laughs> uh, it had Jet Li in it didn't it yeah I think so God, that's weird. That was weird. Anyway, why are we here? <laughs> well, we're here talking about um, some wrestling. Uh, like I said, we're three weeks away from King of the Ring 2000. Before we get into you know, the main crux of it, are you a fan of the King of the Ring as a concept? Yes. I, I do like a tournament. Uh, I think everybody likes a tournament. I don't... Um, it's trouble is it has no meaning anymore. Because all it really is is some guy wins and then gets a king gimmick for like three months. Yeah. Or lady these days. 
um, and then gets a queen gimmick for like three months. Uh, and yeah, so back in the day, when it had meaning, it felt cool. I think the last time I would consider it having meaning would be... Hmm, I don't know, actually. Because I was going to say Brock Lesnar. Because it was just used as a platform, wasn't it? In 2002. Spoilers. For like six years from now. And um, six years, what do you think 2002 is six years from the year 2000? No, I think it would take you six years to get there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, but was that the king of the... Yeah, probably. But that was just a clever use of trying to boost him even more. Um, I won't say who won in 2001, in case it does genuinely ruin it for some people. <laughs> but I guess, actually, you know, the last time it had meaning, when William Regal won. And I know that that, kind, that was all Regal, not the King of the Ring concept. And then it didn't really go very well because of his own personal reasons. But that image of him just sitting on the throne, for me, that was probably the last time it had any real meaning. I don't think anyone really cared when... Uh, Seamus won or whatever. Definitely didn't care when Baron Corbin won. <laughs> and then I did see on Instagram that at some point Xavier Woods won, and I was like, fuck, we really rock bottom, eh? I mean, everybody wanted Xavier win because Xavier basically said, oh, I, I want more than winning a world title, I just want to be King of the Ring. And weirdly enough, they were gearing up for that particular King of the Ring last time we recorded, so there you go. It all comes back around with the King of the Ring, but. You know, you see, to the end, meaning it had a stake involved other than just being a king, because, you know, nobody would tell Brock Lesnar, you need to go around for the next three months wearing this silly crown on your head. He'd be well within his rights to kill you with his bare hands. Although, I'd watch the fuck out of that if he did. <laughs> I mean, because remember, 20... remember he was boomboxing? That was, was amazing. <laughs> nobody thought he'd be boomboxing or, like... Nobody thought he'd be a face in general. Remember when he, he came back earlier this year, he was taking photos with fans and everything. The same man who in interviews is multiple times has said, I don't like people. <laughs> Which is why he lives in like, the middle of nowhere. Now, he'd be amazing. Remember his feud of Eddie Guerrero when he did the Mexican <laughs> dancing in like 2004? Yeah. Funny Brock Lesnar is great. It's like when people remember that Michael Keaton's actually really funny. <laughs> He seems like a really serious dude, and you see him in a comedy, and you're like, fuck, this dude is hilarious. Yeah. Brock Lesnar yeah. is just like Michael Keaton. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Anyway, I don't know how I come back from that, but yeah, I like the King of the Ring uh, as well. This is one of the last few years, it probably will have meaning, but then again, I see that they've expanded it to like they say this first round is like the qualifier, but typically the first round anyway. It's just like 32 people, you know, 31 men and one woman, as keep saying, with China being involved. But like basically, that, that also means that as rich as your undercard is, that basically means everyone gets a go. And when you look at certain people, and we'll talk about across the Rods, and when I mentioned to you who's already qualified, there's certain people who are like, you probably shouldn't have been allowed to go. Like, King of the Ring is not for you. Yeah, probably. Like those bits where they were like, ah, oh, it's all every time I do this show, I feel like I pick on Hardcore Holly. There's like a bit where they're doing the highlights bit, and they're like, the round of 32 or something, and then my Hardcore Holly on, on the heat against some random Dudley or whatever. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, not, not, not great. The roster is uh, 
Look, you got a lot of mega stars in there. Let's not pretend that you don't. But it's thin on the ground in terms of people that are believable. <laughs> so that's probably always true. Actually, think about it. Yeah, yeah, it's been true quite often. Uh, so uh, I'm sure you are very happy to see the DX are still around. You know, because we did an episode of SmackDown months and months and months ago where they uh, we did the episode where they reformed. And then I'm sure you were happy to see that they were still around, except they've, you know, they swapped out Billy Gunn for Tori and, and Stephanie and Shane and Patterson and Briscoe and Vince. Where's Billy Gunn? Oh, he got injured in February. Oh, OK. And he's going to come back as the one. Yes, he is the one. He is the one. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, am I that Tori's an upgrade? Uh, the rest of them not so much. It's always fun to see uh, the Stooges, though. But yeah. Stephanie McMahon can can go away. <laughs> I just think, think that I just wish they had more unique music. Like each of them had a theme because at some point you just get tired of hearing "My Time" and that weird Run DMC DX song. Uh, like that can go away. Yeah, they are just in every. It's, it really was Triple H's gimmick that to just be in every segment. Yeah, I mean, I'm happier when they come out to run DNC because actually I quite enjoy it uh, more so than fucking my time. I've I made my issues with that song very clear, so uh, <laughs> the less I need to hear about that. But then yeah, and you've got and you've got Stephanie coming out to. It's, it's a shame you didn't see what happened on Raw when, when Briscoe, who's hardcore champion. Which I'm sure you you enjoyed seeing. He had to defend that against Crash on Raw, and he and and Patterson, whenever they come out and have to wrestle, I use that term loosely. They keep coming out to to Hulk Hogan's Real American, just to, <laughs> to get a Hulk who's still in who's still in WCW. He's in his last few like days of WCW before he he, he, st- he storms out because he doesn't like Vince Russo. But like Jr. even pokes fun at the music this Monday on Raw when they were he was coming down and Real America was playing, and Jr. went, "Can you turn this music off? I'm finding it very nauseating." <laughs> okay, yeah, I do like the Stooges. They do make me they do make me laugh. They are good, mm. uh, but I could do without them being <laughs> in every other segment. Uh, well, and you would have hated Raw because these people were in every other segment because. The main premise right now is that last week on SmackDown you had Rock, Undertaker and Kane all being put in different matches by different members of the McMahon Helmsley you know, regime and they were they were all told if you win these matches you'll be number one contender. Nobody was getting along within the group. I think King of the Ring will be like where the faction properly comes to an end. But but then they'll say unexpected, unexpected to them. Uh, Kane, Undertaker, and Rock all won their matches, and it's just three number one contenders. Which no matter how many times they talk about it on commentary, the commentator still can't wrap their head around. So, <laughs> on so we had on Raw as a week ago, like always to get Vince backstage, basically walking with stages. When Michael Cole asked him about the whole situation, uh, he asked him, oh, "How's Triple H feel?" And Vince basically said, "I don't care how Triple H feels about it. You know, if everybody had started listening to me more often, then you know we wouldn't have three number one contenders." And he goes to walk away and he's got a bag in his hand and he turns to Patterson and Briscoe and goes, why am I carrying my own bag? And Patterson immediately goes, Briscoe, that's you. <laughs> so he just like, gives Briscoe all the work. Uh, and he got Triple H coming out to do his usual 20-odd minute promo. Uh, 
where he said he, he doesn't, he recaps the whole thing of needs to be number one containers. And then it's if he's, he's filling in a dating profile because he says he gets turned on by competition, but he doesn't make it, but turns him off his massive egos. So again, it's like he's filling in a dating video like, hi, I'm Triple H, I'm that damn good. My turn offs include competition, the WF Championship, and sledgehammers. Turn offs include bad weather and huge egos. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he married a huge ego. <laughs> oh. So, I don't think he's telling the truth, Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but. Sorry, I'm just thinking if he said they get turned on by competition, like, Jesus, what is, what is his life with Stephanie? Like, do they, do they turn everything in the bedroom into a competition? Like, betting who finishes first? <laughs> hey. Triple H always finishes first. Triple H always goes over. <laughs> but, and so Triple H is going on and on. And he says that he feels like the biggest ego right now is, is Vince McMahon. He blames Vince for all this. Then uh, that brings Vince down to the ring. He says, you know, Triple H, the best thing you ever did professionally and in your life, personally, is marry my daughter. And he says that he basically gave Triple H everything since he came to the WWF. He said, Triple H, I made you, I can break you. And then Triple H, he goes to grab the make off Triple H at one point and Triple H just shoves Vince and it looks like they're both better getting to a fight. Like Vince is taking his jacket off, he's squared up to, to Triple H and Shane comes out and he slaps both of them across the face trying to get the snap out of it. And then they both like start squaring up to him as if they're going to fight and then Shane's just giving out to them. And then together Triple H and Vince just knock Shane on his arse. <laughs> to which Stephanie then try, they try and break it all up slaps all three of them because everybody's sitting everybody and nobody knows what's going on uh, The Rock then comes out and says I don't give a damn about number one con- who's who else says is number one contender The Rock was promised a shot he's going to get his shot and as far as big egos all I see here is the biggest bunch of monkey biggest three, the three biggest pieces of monkey crap I've ever seen and then he calls Stephanie a two dollar slut because uh, you know it's two thousand uh, so Vince decides he's going to make a triple threat match later on on Raw Rock versus Kane versus Undertaker uh, and the winner of that match will then later in the night go on to face uh, Triple H so the idea is that the two people who lose match will have forgotten their right to be no one contenders because they lost the triple threat and then whoever wins the triple threat will they hope at least will lose to Triple H which means they'll take out all three of them in the one night uh, Kane and Undertaker get interviews later on and Kane through his muffled mask just goes When it comes to the WWF title I have no allies and I have no brother <laughs> and then the Undertaker asks like what, is, what, do you, what do you think of Kane saying he has no brother when it comes to the WWF title Undertaker's there with his biker gimmick chewing his big big, big wad of chewing tobacco he's like well Kane said that well he's damn right <laughs> he's just a big gulp of this fucking shit out because he's yeah. a hillbilly now, apparently. Yeah, that's disgusting. Yes, it is. <laughs> the Triple Threat match was actually really entertaining. I'd recommend people go watch it. Triple H is on commentary, you know, I watch it. Hey, he starts just randomly attacking the Undertaker during the match. Uh, he hits him with a, a chair, and Kane goes to grab the Undertaker, and Kane gets knocked with a chair as well. And that causes him to stumble back into a rock bottom. So the rock wins the triple threat. And then Triple H immediately comes in and hits and hits Triple H with the chair. 
Uh, no, 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 Triple H immediately comes in and hits the rock with a chair. Uh, then Triple H, for his match with the rock, tells the faction, all stay in the locker room. And he'll handle it by himself because he doesn't trust any of them right now. And then Triple H is informed by Michael Cole right before he goes out, like, oh, did you hear that Earl Hebner has now been made the referee of this match? Because Triple H doesn't like uh, Earl Hebner ever since Backlash. Uh, also, it was in that interview where it was in that same interview where the Battle Royal later on was set up because Big O basically confronts him like, you won that title back in March, why have you not defended it uh, since? <laughs> and she's like, well, unlike my husband, I don't have a number one contender. There's no way to find a number one contender. And then at that point, Ivory and Jacqueline, as if their ears were burning, just walked in like, what do you mean there's no one contender? We've been wanting a shot for ages and they start yelling at her. It's like, okay, okay. Like, so she appears and she makes the, uh, the Battle Royal. But literally, the go-home show for WrestleMania 2000 back in March, Stephanie beat Jacqueline for the title. And this is June, and she's just getting around to her first title defence. It's not good enough. It's not good yeah. enough, but it did lead to the greatest uh, battle royal in SmackDown history. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Screw that 50-man Rumble-style match that Eddie Guerrero won a title shot in. No, it'll never top the one we're going to talk about later on. <laughs> oh, I bet the audience can't wait. <laughs> no, they cannot. Hopefully they've watched the episode SmackDown. Otherwise, you know, we're going to paint you a fabulous word picture. You know, worthy of Bob Ross, this picture we're going to paint for you. It's weird if they haven't. It would be, you know. You never yeah, know. Yeah, it'd be a really made. strange choice. It's like when you do a watch along, like, and it, it'd be weird if you weren't also watching the thing. Well, you can watch a watch. You can listen to a watch along if you've already watched. If you've already watched it, you know well enough what it is. Okay. Especially if you listen to when the watch on me and Paul do, because we always have the volume too loud, so you can often hear pretty much hear what's going on in the background without listening to watch the episode or whatever it is we're watching. <laughs> but the Rock Triple H also had a really good main event on Raw and I'm used to these matches could I just be a few minutes and then a run in especially the main event of Raw SmackDown but they actually got at least like just under 10 minutes to actually have a good match which these two are more than capable of having before the faction uh, came down Rock hits the people's elbow but Hebner gets pulled off by, by X-Pot and Hebner starts shoving people off the apron whenever they get like Shane X-Pot just fuck off Earl Hefner is the hardest man in the ring right now. Uh, then the Rock accidentally gets wire shot, and Earl Hefner, so he gets knocked down. Kane the Undertaker, I'd just be here. Kane and Undertaker fend off the villains. <laughs> As I know, it's because I was bored by this point. Uh, Shane moves out of the way of a chair shot from the Rock, which hits the Undertaker uh, in the back, which then Undertaker hits the Rock with a choke slam, which helps uh, Triple H retain when he inevitably crawls over. Doesn't take him as long to cover him as it took Booker T that one time, but it was still fairly slow. So the faction ended the night on Raw with Triple H still champion and assuming that they'd uh, gotten rid of all three of their number one contenders, which then takes us into SmackDown. But uh, as per usual, I think the more in 2000 we go, Raw has just been getting more and more busy. My recaps are getting longer. Yeah, we need to do You know what Raw needs an extra hour. <laughs> exactly, just... Too much happy, you know. Things will be a lot more, a lot easier. Everybody will get opportunities when Raw's three hours. Yeah. What made Triple H think this would be the end of his number one contenders? <laughs> like, there's no, there's no one else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the idea, like you thought the idea of like Kane or Undertaker being satisfied enough, which is the fact they were in the triple threat match, so they've forgotten their shots. Like, <laughs> come on, come on, come on, Paul. Use some common sense. 
<laughs> yeah. Meant to, meant to be cerebral, so think cerebral, Ollie. <laughs> think cerebral thoughts. I <laughs> <laughs> also briefly mentioned because I, I just thought it was funny. Uh, Hardcore Holly failed to get the, the, the Hardcore title back from Briscoe. And a all the times before they had the actual match, he tried to get it off him. Like, uh, uh, he ran at the faction's locker room and then Briscoe just shut the door before he got to him. So he ran into the door. Uh, he saw Briscoe and Patterson from behind a curtain and went to attack who he thought was Briscoe because he was wearing a hat, but didn't realise that Briscoe had let Patterson try on his hat. So it just tackled Pat Patterson to the ground. Uh, and then they just have a fight, a brief like brawl, him and Briscoe in the ring, which ends after Briscoe kicks a stop sign into Crash Holly's face. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's that's that. But no, we don't get. But you know, it's, it's just as well I was here to recap all that stuff that happened on Raw because as per, unlike what usually happens where they have a big trivia package, they tell you everything in excruciating detail what happened before. Triple H and even more excruciating detail tells you in the ring. There was just no video package. Like it just immediately goes into SmackDown into a Quick King the Ring qualifying match. So aren't you lucky that I was here to tell you everything that happened? I've never felt luckier in my entire life. <laughs> and so we open up with uh, a man who nowadays calls himself a wizard in Chris Jericho taking on Test in a King of the Ring qualifying match. And Jericho mocks Test before the match, saying, you know, even if you don't qualify for the King of the Ring, you're already a winner in my book. Because to me, you will always be the Jerkle of the squared circle. Uh, which then makes Test very angry because he runs to the ring. That's how you know it's a wrestler is very angry because they don't just walk, they run to that ring. I think it's good that he runs because his entrance isn't very interesting. <laughs> well, he's never really had a good theme song, has he? Because... No, he's he's just stuck with Trish Stratus TNA theme the da 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 and it's just that on a loop. and before that it was just someone repeating his name repeatedly and saying this is a test test. Unless you just in case you forgot who was coming out to the ring. After all, he's just a tall, long-haired, blonde wrestler. Could be any number of people. That's the thing, like, watching this match, I'm thinking, hmm, I think the tall Canadian blonde-haired man will win here. Yeah, instead of the short, blonde-haired Canadian man. So Tess runs to the ring, Uh, Jericho pretty much makes him look like an idiot during the match, Trotz kicks him off the apron, even when Trish Stratus hits him with her own boot, hits Jericho with her own boot, uh, Tess still can only get two from that. And then he shoved in Etristratus. It's gets it with a bulldog, then a lion's top Jericho gets a quick win to advance into the King of the Ring tournament. Do you have any thoughts on this hot opener for SmackDown? Well, one thing I'd like to put it back because I didn't I didn't want to interrupt your your flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you mentioned that Chris Jericho is a wizard. Yes. Elaborate. Well, he started throwing fireballs into people's faces. Uh, and then he yelled, he yelled something at a fan, which has become his new thing, where he never threw it to you and said, you mess with me, I'll throw a fireball in your face, because I'm a wizard. And he says it in that exact tone, because I'm a wizard. That's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> a man who knows, who never stops reinventing himself. 
Let me know if he starts bringing out like uh, a cane, like a, or a staff rather. <laughs> That'd be good. But we're back to fireballs. He's throwing fireballs in people's faces. Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. We're record- recording this before it, but they've got that like blood and guts match, like that, basically that version of the War Games tonight with Jericho and his group versus Eddie Kingston, Moxley, and a bunch of other people. Uh, at some point, if he's a real wizard, he should stand at the good guy's uh, side of the ring when one of them wants to come into the ring and just shout that you shall not pass and stop them from getting into the ring. Is he, has Jericho ever not been in the Blood and Guts match? Has he been in every single one? Well, they've only done one, so... There's only been one oh, so far. The one, oh, okay. Or maybe I'm thinking... I know I'm thinking of Stadium, stadium Stampede. Yeah, because they were going to do one in 2020 it got cancelled because of the pandemic and they did Stadium Stampede. So he's been in all Stadium Stampedes and all Blood and Guts matches so far. Okay. Well, if he throws a fireball in people's faces... Uh... And shouts, you shall not pass. I want to know about it. Let, let me know. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll keep you up, updated about that. Thank, but, thank you, man. So is that how little you thought of this opening match that you wanted? Oh, God, yeah, that was a match, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, my favourite bit was uh, the shoe. Probably the shoe. the shoe. Yeah, I think the shoe. Um, there was no <laughs> mention of... Cause there was no mention of what happened to Trish Stratus on Raw in this bit, yeah. which was odd, because then it was a really big part of the show, like an hour later. So that was strange. Um, yeah. Test has never looked bigger than when he's standing next to Chris Jericho. <laughs> and yeah, that that was strange. Actually, no, you know what was weird about it? There was one bit where I didn't know if Test had like, banged his head or something. Because the way he like ran off the ropes for the Irish whips, he just sort of stumbled backwards. And I, I, think he, I think he just mistaked how many steps it would take, so he just had to go, and just yeah. fall backwards. <laughs> that was weird. But I was glad Jericho won. And yeah, no, no major thoughts. But this isn't the most interesting bit of Trish Stratus in this show. Yeah, yeah, that, that's totally like, um, uh I agree with you. I mean, who throws a shoe, honestly? Uh, childish. Very childish. Uh, the Rock arrives to the arena. I just be here. The Rock blank mosh from the headbangers, and I would too. Guess who gives a fuck about the headbangers? I only care uh, about the headbangers when they came back for that, like, two weeks. Yeah. And then got released after they injured someone. I oh, know, was it them that got injured? I don't know. Uh, I haven't seen them in ages. All I think of it, Headbagger Mosh is like, I think the Rock still remembers the Rumble where, as a joke, he said, like, the Rock has two main obstacles in the Rumble match Headbanger Mosh and Crash Holly. And if the Rock can get by those, he might win the Royal Rumble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the Rock's just like, I got past you. I won the Rumble. I don't need to talk to you anymore. The Rock didn't win the Rumble. I will not have this discussion. <laughs> it's all lies. The yeah. oh. DX and the regime come out, which sounds like a really shit metal band. Uh, they come out to celebrate their their victory now because they feel like since Triple H won the title back in June, they haven't had a chance to properly celebrate Triple H being the champion, and so they really overdo it. They got you know it's almost like a Cody entrance of the amount of pyro they've got here. 
they've got green and black balloons, got confetti and everything. Triple H goes into detail once again about the, uh, the events of Rob because there was no recap to remind people. And then he talks about, you know, sharing with all of you, talking to the fans, he goes, but hey, don't get this twisted. I still hate every single one of you. So I'm not celebrating with you. I'm celebrating in front of you. I'm shoving my celebration in your, back in your faces. It's and weird because one thing that people don't know about you, Scott, is that you actually used this speech um, <laughs> at your last birthday party. <laughs> yeah. And people yeah. wondered where you got it from, but I knew. <laughs> I was there and I was like, oh man, he's doing the June 8th, 2000 SmackDown Triple H speech. That's like the uh, third best speech. I have that speech framed and on in a big frame, big silver frame off my chest of drawers. I look at myself in the mirror as I'm getting changed and I recite that promo from memory. I rehearsed it and I enjoyed it greatly. Yeah. I mean, eventually I stumbled over my words. I was several glasses of champagne and by that point, by the time I got to to make my speech. Yeah, the worst bit was when uh, you, you kicked the cake at your own mother. <laughs> She's still not talking to me. It was a difficult moment for us all, but uh, you know, I appreciate the sentiment because it's the only time <laughs> you've ever been honest. Uh, so, so the Triple H goes around everybody on everybody in the group thanking them. He says to Paris and Briscoe, as far as stooges go, you guys aren't that bad. Uh, he thanks Xbox and Road Dog for always being there. He thanks Shane for being a great brother-in-law. He says thank you to Tori for basically keeping Xbox and Road Dog in line. And then you can't hear what he's thanking Stephanie for because the slut chants basically tr- almost drown him out. So actually, Triple H has to then elevate his voice so that he can be heard over everybody. Basically, he's reciting the whole behind every great man is a great woman and everything. So like if I'm, if everybody knows how great I am, so imagine how great that makes Stephanie. And then game watches backstage uh, on his little television, not getting involved, you know, keeping his thoughts to himself, which unfortunately he doesn't do nowadays that he's got Twitter. Uh, <laughs> now that he's a goddamn mayor. <laughs> he's a goddamn mayor. <laughs> yeah. so, How much outcome- is that? Because we can't be far away from Road Dog leaving the company are we i think he stays at least the end of the year because he's got to give a short run of getting rowdy alongside key quick because he does not look like a man that wants to be here because i was thinking that the entrance for the main <laughs> event he just like walked out um, no he's not he's not a man that's ever dressed for the occasion mm. in terms of ring attire uh but he, he did not want to be here at the like for some reason yeah Probably not. I mean, every time that, whenever I look at him and wrote him and Xbox, I just assume they're both stoned, so I don't even take notice. Yeah, that's what the other thing I was thinking. I was like, he's either doesn't want to be there or he is trying so hard to not give away the fact that he's high as hell. (laughs) (laughs) Most likely, yeah. I mean, he he and Xbox probably had their own little celebration in the the alleyway, but behind the arena before they started. They do look like they've just been dragged in off the street. <laughs> Here, stand next to Triple H. Make him look nicer because you guys are dressed like shit. You line DX, this iteration of DX, up against Evolution. <laughs> like the most, the smartest dressed human beings you will ever find. 
and then against like I don't know your weird stoner friends from uni. It kind of is like evolution, I guess. Triple H grew up, became a man, whereas right now he's just like a frat boy mm-hmm. chilling with weird uncle road dog. I like to think of it more as that he's this guy who used to be in a frat, hanging out with his friends who still think they're in a frat, and he's approaching that point where he realises that he has to grow up and find new friends, and when <laughs> his new friends are evolution, when he gets that fancy new high-paying job. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be us when we uh, get super rich off podcasting. Oh yeah, yeah, any day now, any day now. Yeah, gonna buy that blue yeti. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that what you're gonna call your yacht? Yes. <laughs> My podcast uh, yacht. It's gonna be like the boat that rocks. <laughs> you're gonna be like, Nephew, you don't have to go out to international waters to podcast. <laughs> do if you're talking I, about disney i do have to i just like you and then that you just transition that into some sort of ad i don't have to but if you but you have to take out take your discount on bluetooth if you want to keep your value <laughs> That's what I, say. I don't have to but if you need help in the bedroom <laughs> it's a really insecure person i'm not saying i need to take it but if you want to take it <laughs> stackers uh. Oh, there's some weird adverts on this show. I don't usually make a note of them, but they were but they were but they were so weird on this show that I had to make note of them. We'll get to them in a second. The woman washing a car. Oh, what was it? Was that a stacker's ad? It was. It was part of a stacker's ad they inserted as part of their smack of the week or something yeah, of the night. It. Something like that. Yeah, it was stack of the week and it was the uh, the Dudley's putting cut angle for a table. Yeah. Oh. But anyway. We're talking about the rock coming out here. He interrupts saying that you know he's not interested in a celebration right now. He want all he wants is payback. And you know I'm gonna go hell high water. I'm gonna get it tonight. I'm gonna take it out on all of you. Whether it has to be the Rock versus Triple H and a no DQ match, the Rock versus DX and a handicap match, Rock versus Definite Man and a stick fifty balloons up your ass match, <laughs> which uh, I think unveiled some really particular porn herb searches from Mr. Johnson, but. Uh, then Triple H tries to turn Rock's attention to Undertaker and says, all, the, all this is Undertaker's fault that you're not the champion. Which then out comes Undertaker to his horribly dubbed You've Done It Now song because at this point he's using Kid Rock. But despite the fact Kid Rock's in the Hall of Fame and probably has the same political views as most of the higher-ups in WWE, he can't be arsed paying him the money for his song. <laughs> so Undertaker then just comes out and awkwardly drives past the balloons uh, and then parks his, his motorbike, goes to attack the rock, he thinks about it, walks up the ramp and goes, nah, goes into the ring and starts fighting, fighting with the faction. The rock comes to help and then Taker hits him with the chair this time. So you're like, oh God, like, can't these guys ever get in sync? As we go to a break and we'll get, I'll ask you about this in a second, but then we go to an advert and I thought, surely, you know, with crowns and everything, this has got to be some sort of weird King of the Ring advert, surely. Nope, it's just a general WF attitude ad. It's just a beauty pageant. One woman is angry that another woman has won, and then that starts a brawl where they're all fighting. The judges get taken out, and it just goes, WWF, it ain't pretty, as one of the women smiles and some of her teeth have been knocked out. Yeah, good ad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Makes no fucking sense. that's what people though. wanted in 2000. <laughs> so, yeah, The Rock goes backstage after this whole stuff with The Undertaker. 
he confronts Kane and under uh, locker and this may be the Undertaker's and it just it just we know like it says the Undertaker on it, but he walks in. It's a very dimly lit room and Kane is just standing in the middle of the room watching a very small television, or at least it looks small next to him. And then uh, Rock tries to ask Kane where the Undertaker is. Kane doesn't answer. And then Kane does talk through his muffled mouth saying, he basically said, if you want your brain scrabble, you don't have to go to the Undertaker. I'll do it for you. And I'll say, oh, is that right? And then they both get into a fight, uh, a very awkward fight where they keep falling over. Yeah, it was a weird brawl. It was like, mm-hmm. at least try and make it look like you're hitting each other. <laughs> yeah. Like, give it a go, at least. It wasn't good. A, yeah. But what, what was good is your tag team champions, two kills, got your daughter and Grandmaster Sexy, taking on the Godfather and Dean Malenko for the tag team titles, because that's a natural progression. They defeated Edge Christian and won the titles. They... They went to no contest against the Hardys last week because Kane got involved. And now, who's next out of this glorious period for tag team wrestling? Malenko and the Godfather. <laughs> what a team. Probably the best team in the world. I'm trying to think, what, what, what name would you give a team like these guys? You know, the Iceman, great technical wrestler with no charisma, and Dean Malenko. And then just the... There's loads of charisma, you know, our man of the year, uh, the godfather. <laughs> what a, It's just an outstanding level of kind of technical excellence, I guess, between a pair of them. Mm-hmm. That's really what it what it must be. There's nothing else. Like if you need because if you've got Dean Malenko, one of the best technical wrestlers and you need to complement him <laughs> with what would you call the Godfather? Just like, well, I guess a, a Godfather. Big, a big man. Yeah, you just need a to make guy. him look excellent at all times. Mm-hmm. That's it. So he is the answer. <laughs> well, I think the the idea of him hanging around uh, Malenko is because like they're going to start Malenko on this weird ill-fated ladies' man thing, which didn't suit him at all. Uh, so. So I think I'm hanging around a guy who can provide him a lot of women. Uh, can, <laughs> they figured that was the best way to start it off. But, you know, I do like there's a moment where Scott and Tihoi and Grandma start dancing because they're happy of how they took out Dimalenko. They don't notice the Godfather setting up for the whole train. Uh, <laughs> which takes out Scott and then Grandmaster gets back at the Godfather with one of the lightest kicks I've ever seen. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was terrible. This match was a complete waste of time. Pretty much, uh, it was a decent bit between Scotty and Dean because they've had great matches with the light heavyweight title. Grandmaster got a, a nice looking reverse like suplex on on Malenko and then Scotty manages to, to hit the worm. Uh, and then I put here, Scotty gets attention from the hose, which annoys the Godfather because he gets knocked to the outside, the hose helps him back up, and the Godfather just angrily pushes the hose aside, which I'm assuming is like he doesn't mind them getting attention from the hose and everything. He just doesn't. He just doesn't like the fact he's getting it for free. Like Scotty hasn't paid yet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not already not an easy business now. I don't need doesn't need guys like Scotty showing them or showing the ladies he's warm for free. <laughs> he needs money up front. <laughs> money up front. Then there's an awkward bit with like I think the Godfather wants to get in, but after the ref says, "Oh, you're you're not Leo man, so go back to your corner or whatever." But they just they they do that for quite a long time. The Godfather clearly not getting it, which allows Scotty and Grandmaster to hit a back 
drop, followed by the, the hip-hop drop, the, the leg drop off the top, on a Dean Malenko, and Tuchel retain another valiant defence from your fighting tag team champions. <laughs> There's one, Tuchel always known as the, perhaps, the the tag team that really could grind the most to get their wins. No yes. showmanship, just all business. <laughs> all business, all business. Uh, but who needs to talk about that when we could talk about WWF.com and how it's promoted by a really yellow-looking background as a man waits at a bus stop uh, and a blind man is trying to find his way. The guy then points him sideways and says, oh, you need to go this way. And the guy basically, or meant to believe, walks out into the middle of the road and is hit by a bus. And then just says, WWF.com, please come see why we get however many hundred hits per week. What, what what correlation does man senselessly sending a blind man to get hit with a car have to do with your website? Yeah, I'm not, I didn't really understand it. Like a hundred hits, so are they assassinating people? They <laughs> hit a hundred people a week, so you can too. I thought it would have been better if they were like, dodof.com, look both ways before you click. <laughs> See, that would have been cool, but like, you know, I sometimes love adverts that seem to have no connection to whatever it is they're advertising, but this really takes the piss out of that. Like, yeah. Com. Click on one click and you'll want to abuse a blind person as well. Yeah. com. Surf the web. Don't look where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> so strange. Everything's weird. Yeah, yeah. I've I've made several jokes in the past about how basically at times this McMahon Helsley regime can be the equivalent of like Saturday morning cartoon villains because of how they're always sitting back to you thinking, Oh, what can we do to get back at our enemies tonight? Oh, we can pick this person in a handicap match, whatever. So I legit even started off my notes for this segment saying villain scheme for later on. Uh as the Man Helmsley regime have got all this fruit and everything on the table. Uh, and then Road Dog and Edpa get all excited and then they convince Shane to pick a six-man tag team match for later of DX, Road Dog and Triple H against The Rock, Undertaker and Kane. You know, the same guys that they were convinced they didn't need to deal with anymore. Uh, and then I do love that Triple H, Shane and the next one are yeah, let's do it tonight. We'll take them all up. And it just kind of just cuts to Triple H is like, are you fucking serious? Like, I was meant to be celebrating tonight. I just defended my title on Raw. Like, you're making me do more work. Like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> well, yeah, why are you here if you don't want to work? <laughs> you expect me to work, to wrestle twice in the one week. Like, who do you think I am? <laughs> yeah, what are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, I'm not a fighting champion, like, too cool. Yeah, you want your multi-matches in a week, Charles got you too hot, you know? You've got worms for everybody. <laughs> and, talk about, and talk about fighting champions, they made a big deal about Chris Benoit saying that last week, oh, he defended his, is there a colonial championship? Not once, not twice, but three times last week, because apparently he also had a match on Sunday Night Heat, which I sometimes forget is still a thing in 2000. Oh God, is it? It is, yeah. Oh, that's disappointing. Like I compared this last week, they're still doing King of the Ring matches, like qualifiers on on Sunday Night Heat, 
and I said to Sam last week, it's the equivalent of in 2020, 2021, in the dying, proper dying days of 205 Live, where they put the men's and women, they put matches from the first round, the men's and women's bloody dusty classic on 205 Live. Oh my God. That's the equivalent of doing bloody a King of the Ring match on Heat in, in 2000. Did he actually get ratings? I think it used to. Like even by two thousand, I think it still gets a fair like it's it doesn't get it doesn't get as many as it used to I think by this point, but I think it's just it's not as good as it probably was was. It's like, I think since SmackDown came in, SmackDown took over as like a secondary show that Sunday Heat used to have. Sunday Heat will somehow stick around even though in the last two years of its existence I think it made like a dot com exclusive thing. Yeah, I remember it being dot com. Like, and it would be on WWE.com, and it would basically just have, like, Charlie Huss versus Mabel, like, every week. <laughs> yeah. But, apparently, Chris Benoit is the fightingest IC champion of all time, according to Michael Cole, to which Joe Law responds, what about Pat Patterson? <laughs> you know that man who won that very, that very real tournament that wasn't made up at all in Rio? <laughs> you know, and I, and I do love that just maybe because he's associated with the, the McMahons and everything. Out of all the IC champions you could have mentioned, that Jerry Lawler's first guess for for an IC champion is Pat Patterson. <laughs> he's my favourite champion of all time. <laughs> Absolutely. What a pedigree that man has. Massive. But, it's huge. Yeah. Uh, Actually, this is one of the better matches on the show that comes up next. It came out of nowhere here. Uh, Jeff Hardy versus Chris Benoit for the Intercontinental title. Now, I think this is probably one of the earliest signs that we can see that Jeff is the the favourite backstage of the two Hardys. Yeah, I mean, he's always has been. Like, there was that fleeting moment. Well, Matt's had his moments in the WWE. There was obviously the thing with Edge, which was too big for the WWE to ignore. And then there was the uh, well, the broken stuff as well late in late mm-hmm. in his career, but it's always been it's always been Jeff. Yeah, it's always been Jeff. I think you can tell even from the offset with his like colourful hair and some of the stuff he does here, which you know he he wouldn't do for very long because obviously it takes a toll. But you know, I still get shocked when I see Jeff Hardy try and do like a springboard like minsault. Where he just let he just dangles his leg off the top and just lets himself just fall backwards very harshly. Yeah, it was quite like there's just no time to breathe on these shows. So like when Jeff Hardy and Chris Benoit come out, you're like, oh cool, this is gonna be good. But then uh, nothing's ever given really a chance in 2000s and in the Astrid era on the TV. So I don't know how long this match was, but like five minutes maybe. Yeah, I, do, I, do, I tend not to always like keep track of, of uh, the match length. But, you know, this one, they managed to pack a lot in. I like sometimes when they get a chance to, you know, do a lot with the short time there. They're given, you know, it's not the first time like, Benoit has been given like, a match with somebody who you think, oh, at least I'm at a time, like 10 minutes at least, you could do a lot with this person. But he's just like, right, matches on fast forward. Like when you're fast, when you're fast forward an average, like 1.5 speed. It's the same advert, just someone's talking very much like far faster than they would be. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, 
some of the people that he's wrestled in those kind of matches, you know he'd have great matches with later on. I don't recall him ever doing much with Jeff Hardy ever again after this. But, you know, it was a decent you know, clash because you've got Jeff who will take risks and look like he nearly fucked his ankle on that 450 when he had to try to land on his feet. Uh, and then you got Benoit who is ruthless. Yeah, it's definitely a clash of styles, but it does work. Like, Benoit could put on a good match with everybody. Uh, anybody of no matter their size or whatever. So, yeah, it was interesting, but I can't say it, it was fine. It was just a TV match, though. Yeah, I, I actually really, really enjoyed it. Uh, Jeff and Matt on Raw, they haven't started with Lita yet, but Lita's been watching their matches ever since that she got helped out by them when uh, they stayed up from again, beaten up by our old boyfriend, S.A. Rios. So the fill in like Team Extreme things coming soon, but I thought this was really cool. Uh, Jeff gets flipped into the corner by, uh, by Benoit and gets trapped in like, that Tree of Wolf position. There was a moment that maybe go, oh, because I think Jeff may flip over for like a sunset flip, but he can't. He struggled to get fully over because he's baggy jeans that he's wearing. And uh, both of them somehow nearly land on their heads from a sunset flip spot. <laughs> There's a nice bit where Jeff like, avoids a, a, like, a sliding drop kick from Benoit. And then when Benoit gets back up, he gets caught with a spin kick from Jeff. Uh, he Jeff actually gets a near fall after a swanton, but Benoit gets fit on the rope. Uh, then gets locked in the cross face, quick tap out by Jeff. And then there's a bit where it looks like, oh, he's getting some respect, you know, show that Jeff is, you know, somebody to look out for. Then he goes like, nope, twats him with the belt. <laughs> oh, Chris, how could you be so mean? <laughs> I know, he's always such a nice boy, that cross Benoit. He is very nice. He's just got such a caring face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. I think we should stop on that train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll just say yeah, I, I still thought it was one of the better matches of the night. But who cares? Because Stacker 2, something to do with a, something about being a fat burner or whatever. Clearly this man in the advert is not taking enough of it. Because this very fat man is just staring at a woman washing her car. Uh, and she keeps smiling back at him. Just bits of this advert with little context are spiced in with the your WF's back of the night or something like that as it shows I think it's the smack of the week so uh, as it shows Kurt Angle being put through a table by Bubba Ray Dudley after the Dudleys and I believe it was Jericho got beaten by uh, Hardys and got beaten by Edge and Christian Angle last week on Raw so then that set up uh, Edge, Christian and Angle versus the Dudleys in a 3-on-2 handicap match which they assist which they assume on commentary was set up by Stephanie McMahon because she and Angle have started teasing the uh, eventual storyline relationship that gets you know, brought in with a feud that Angle will have later in the year with with Triple H. But there was a bit uh, before the, the six-man tag on Raw where Angle was like, you know, because I'll say Edwin Griffin wanted to get a shot back at the tag titles. And Kurt goes, you know, guys, I've heard on good authority that if we beat you know, the Dudleys and Chris Circle tonight, and they're all like, they're both like, yeah, yeah. And somebody will say, oh, you'll get a number one contendership match. Like, we'll be defending the honour of Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. I'm sure she'll be very grateful and give you a WF title shot. <laughs> I'm almost certain that, that this cannot backfire. <laughs> and then Angle comes out and starts talking about poor sportsmanship. 
you know, the great thing to do is get up, shake the winner's hand, you know, and show a little dignity. And then he talks about, because of what happened, kids all over the country will make fail their midterms because they saw their hero, Gango, get put through a table. And then, clearly, you can't see, like, you can't really pay attention to the first part of their promo because everybody's looking up to the side of the arena because someone's been thrown out. And I think I then looked into this. I think a woman was flashing people in the crowd and that woman was being kicked out. That's a very 2000 thing to do. Yes, yes it was. Because <laughs> you could faintly hear people chanting, let her stay at one point. So it isn't totally education. Probably start getting into their five second pose, but you can actually hear anything uh, from them. Uh, basically, they talk about how fitting it is. We're in Buffalo, New York, the capital of sore losers. And then they go, our new five second pose for the benefit of those flash photography. And then he Jet edge like he's reading the terms and conditions at the end of an advert goes at that time if you had hit the fear goal you would have gotten a world series but you didn't so you haven't won in over four years our new <laughs> five second pose so something like that so basically they stand as a goal as a field goal pose a crit angle mimics uh, missing a field goal <laughs> it was very funny so it, it was good and yeah I like Edge and Christian's five second poses were always fun Maybe I should bring that back next time they're working together. Yeah. Uh, it'd be nice. And is, uh, they're both, it's weird to think they're both still around right now, like Edge still in WWE. Christian now is a bastard again in AEW by calling Jungle Boy a piece of shit to his mum's face and then saying, hey, Jungle Boy, I'm not your father figure. Your father figure's dead. Jesus. Yes. That's very Randy Orson of him. Yeah, it really was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit much to try and get heat. Yeah. But not as much heat as your dad's got, Jungle Boy, because he's in hell now. That's all. <laughs> that's that's going to be his promo next time one day to make you. Oh, no. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't, because you're from Canada. You're meant to be the nice people. Yeah, exactly. Not not needed, Christian. But anyway, I mean, the, the five-second pose and everything, you know, fans being just trying to say it was better than the actual match, I thought, because, you know, Devon gets worked over, Edge and Christian do their weird double, like, suplex when one of them's on the other shoulder. Weirdly, really, you think that means the person on top's taking a bump as well. Uh, on his Devon, then Ref gets a track on the outside angle, gets hit with a... Angle actually gets it, just distracted. Edge spear is angled by mistake. 3D on Christian. Dudley's get a win despite having the man at disadvantage, which somehow befuddles Jerry Lawler. Yeah, this was over very, very quickly. Like, this was really, really short. And yeah, the Dudleys get the win. They're obviously quite quite hot at the minute. Uh, the, the crowd love them. Uh, but yeah, it was odd. It was odd just to see Edge Christian and Kurt Angle just kind of get jobbed out a little bit. Yeah, that was odd. Uh, I mean, Kurt could take loss because you know he's already in the King of the Ring tournament, and you know he always bounces back. You can always cut a promo about how I'm the Olympic hero. I shouldn't be treated like this, you know. And Edge and Christian, it's, it's weird to see him in this when the whole their whole thing right now is wanting to get back to the tag titles. I mean. This is the second week in a row they've lost a handicap match. They lost a handicap match to The Rock last week because 
Shane Bezos said to him, like, if Rob beats you, he's the number one contender for the WF title, but if you guys can beat him, you get your shot at the tag team titles. Well, I guess they're not getting their shot. The poor Edging Christian. It'll be the Dudleys. Yeah. Edging Christian will never be tag team champions ever again. Never, yeah. ever again. What happened to those guys anyway? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> uh, the Undertaker is very angry at Kane. Like, what the hell's wrong with you, boy? I see you've been sitting back here watching that TV on there. Why don't you come out here and watch my back? I'm in there with DX. And to wait, he just stares at me. Boy, you listen to me. I'm trying to talk to you. But yeah, I'll have your back in the six man tag. Don't worry about it. Which, if somebody only like Kane told me, not what, don't worry about it. No matter what it is, I'm instantly worrying about it. You've been sat back here watching that Fox News. <laughs> It's not good for your burnt brain. Gang, what the hell are you talking about? It's a woman's body, it's a woman's choice, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've seen this bit of Antigua. Antigua's not had he, definitely not had his fair share of, you know, controversial political opinions. At least he kind of keeps them to himself. Not yeah, like the to, mayor of Knox County. Yeah, he keeps them to himself. He just sits on his documentary uh, on the network wearing a thin blue line shirt and then going on an interview said, Oh, back in my day we had guns and knives, now these guys got video game consoles in their bags. <laughs> guns and knives in case the fake fighting got out of hand. <laughs> and then we wanted to in case we want to go out in the desert and storm area fifty one. Undertaker impression as a baker's getting worse and worse as this episode goes on. That's uh, fine. You just need to uh breathe in some helium. <laughs> Uh, anyway. Uh, anyway. Uh, so then this takes us to another interview with Stephanie Man Helmsley outside the women's locker room with uh, the coach. And she's like, you know, I'm giving these women you know, an opportunity. You know, I, we're finally going to have a number one contender and you're going to get to see me my, to finally defend my yeah, women's championship. And she's like, let's go see who who's going to be my contender. So she takes an awkward coachman into the... Uh, to the women's locker room. Uh, and then you see Jacqueline, Miss Kitty, and Lita in there all getting changed and are all awfully awkward about, like, don't want, not wanting a man in there. And she's like, well, church up, ladies. The match is in two minutes. Get dressed. And you see only three women in that match. And you wouldn't believe that's, like, 60% of what the Battle Royal you're about to see. <laughs> it really is. The Battle Royal is... Uh... I don't know how to describe it, but weird. <laughs> it, it's definitely weird. I mean, given the limited amount of people in it, calling it a battle royal is, I think, very, very generous. Incredibly. <laughs> the loosest possible terms of a battle royal. I mean, some people went, like, nobody even went over the top, but you had to go, people got sent through the ropes, because I forgot that was a thing for years where women weren't even good enough to go over the top. It's like, oh, they went through the ropes. That's good enough. Yeah, and there really was only one winner in this. Like, there's only one person that could win. Yeah. I know uh, they, they kind of tried to build up Jacqueline on commentary a little bit. Like, oh, she's the one that Stephanie beat. Uh, yeah. But I don't think anyone really thought Lita wasn't going to win. And if yeah, she did, I mean, you're a fool. Even looking at, even in 2000, like Lita... She's still coming out to S.A. Rios' music, despite the fact they're no longer together, because 
WWE gives less than two fucks about SAPOS. Uh, and they've already seen her hitting moonsaults in the past, so the fans like her. I believe this is the first time she had her her kind of seem extreme look with like the, the song visible and everything. Because you know, all her comments are like, hey, well, let Leah, she needs to pull her pants up. Uh, and so like, there's only five women. We've got Terry, the cat, Ivory, Jacqueline and Leah with Tori as a special guest referee. Where apparently you can also get pinned to, to be eliminated as well because they want this over as quickly as possible. And thank you for that. <laughs> uh, I put here, Leah gets beat up by Jacqueline and Ivy while Cat and Terry renew hostilities. About hostilities, they grab each other and probably call each other a bitch. Uh, the quality and standard of women's wrestling, especially with some of these women, is so low and the WSIs that Terry Reynolds hits a, power, hits a body slam onto the cat and King is so shocked about it as if he saw her hit a fucking hurricane run off the top rope. It was pretty cool. I mean, we saw a lot of hurricane runners off the top rope on this show. We did, but like, it's not as if you just saw Terry hit the biggest move you've ever seen. Like, she hit a fucking slam to you. Well done, Terry. You grasped the basic understanding of what a wrestling move is. Yeah, they did. They are very derogatory on commentary. As soon as they do anything, they're like, wow, a woman can run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Terry eliminates the, the cat. Uh, before like, Terry is immediately eliminated by uh, Lita. And then Jacqueline is just, ran, just randomly rolls under the bottom rope, is somehow eliminated after she gets hit with a Hurricane Rana by Lita, who then quickly eliminates Ivory uh, after a insult and gets the pin. And I think they, they say that oh, tonight it's going to be immediately afterwards that uh, Lita gets her title shot because Stephanie said that you know Triple H got his his tail against his number one contender on the same night, so I'll do the same. I'm that damn good. I'm just like Triple H. And then she's immediately as Stephanie slowly but surely gets up from commentary. Tori attacks Lita, who that she gets up with this weird per, reverse powerbomb move, where she gets powerbomb, then flips back onto her face, and then uh, the bell rings. Stephanie Cowser just lies on top of Lita and gets an easy pinfall. A valiant first title defense from Stephanie McMahon Helmsley. Yeah, I guess they've got a backstage room where she wants us to know it's not over because she says that more than anything else in this entire promo. Yeah, she didn't really look like this promo was planned. It was just like, I, I'm gonna. This is not a joke to me. I'm gonna win. Yeah, like I work my ass up. It's not a joke to me. You know, I want my title job, but it's not over. Because I know everything is a joke, but it's not a joke to me. It's, it's, it's not over. So it's not over then, Lita, is it? Nope, it's not over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. The women's champion has defended uh, their title, you know, not within the 30 days required, which the be something forgets about, but she's in the Brock Lesnar, Rowan Reigns method of, I'll defend my title every couple of months. Pretty much. They do bring up that rule. I mean, yeah, they don't. There's no consistency there, so just get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah, WWE doesn't really have official rules for this kind of thing. They just, <laughs> it just depends on what they want to use it for. Anyway. Pretty much. So we got another King of the Ring qualifier with Eddie Guerrero taking on Matt Hardy. Another match which seems like it would be a good one if they actually gave it some, some time 
but they they don't really. Uh, the cricket exchange, uh, both men try to get, take control of the other man's arm. That goes for towards the field, which is carrying to a backslide, which leads to both men getting a quick quick roll-ups with Aylwin really getting a roll-up on the other after a two. Uh, Eddie knocks Matt there with a net breaker, and then Eddie doesn't even have like, a proper venture. He just gets a pin on Matt after a hurricane runner for the, the quick win. Shane doesn't really get involved like she's prone to do in Eddie's matches, so... Eddie just uh, wins this very quick match. Nothing too out there, but also nothing nothing shite about it. So, you know, it was a good match, albeit short. Yeah, it was pretty good. It might have been, I don't know if it was probably my favourite match of the night. I like Eddie. And mm. uh, yeah, but again, very short. No real time. Uh, it was fast paced. And the ending was a bit out of nowhere. I don't know, Is that was that Eddie's finisher for a bit? Or just the Hurricane Runner. Yeah. Not really. I it mean, seemed like a has... weird thing to win on that. We didn't even get like a frog splash or anything. It doesn't always, he hasn't really been hitting the frog splashes on because he had it on his first night and then he yeah. dislocated his elbow. Yeah. And then he started using a, a weird, like, cruci- like, like, like he'd lift you up into like, the razor's edge position and then spin you into like a net breaker. And then that was his finisher for a while. And so he doesn't really have a finisher at the minute, I don't think. Oh, well, you should bring back the lasso from El Paso. <laughs> I forgot that was a thing. <laughs> it was fine. Yeah, but yeah, good good match. Matt Hardy probably doesn't get the respect he deserves uh, in terms of because he gets overshadowed by Jeff uh, so much. But oh, well, go oh. Eddie. I <laughs> like his chances in this tournament. Yeah, he's got, he's got great chances, does Eddie Euro. But uh, you know, I, I get we've got one, we've got two more matches uh, left here. But I wanted to ask because you told me before we recorded this, you'd found your new favourite match. Yep. Have we got Have we got into that match? Yeah. We have got into the match. Yeah. We it's sort of been and gone. I think the battle royal really excelled uh, in terms of excellence, a TV spectacle, <laughs> uh, bringing a variety of characters all together in one place, and just sometimes magic is born from this so i do think that the battle royale is the best match of all time and should be studied yeah where where is this match you know in the highlight bag is when they talk about how far women's wrestling is coming you know screw your your trish litas on and the main event overall and your charlotte v becky's and you know last woman standing matches and your first woman's hell in a sale you know this is what you should be talking about this is yeah this is where women's wrestling has actually regressed when you compare it to the spectacle that was the Battle Royale. Uh, and the 11 seconds afterwards in which Stephanie retained her title, some of the best character work uh, that we've ever seen, really. You know, legend has tells that Jacqueline and Ivory's Hall of Fame inductions were all specifically given to them because of their work in this match. <laughs> yeah, it won't be long before Tori and uh, whoever else was in it <laughs> will be there I'm almost certain they all belong there and they will get there every member of it they'll, they'll get there eventually yeah. yeah Terry Runnels she's going to be in there if she's not already I don't know you know I mean there's WWE are slowly running out of women for the Hall of Fame so 
I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them to to put in Tori or Terry Reynolds or even the cat at one point. Just don't have the king and doctor. Because we don't need to relive that weirdness. God, I forgot about the cat. <laughs> How could you ever forget about the cat? <laughs> True. Mini China. <laughs> Mini China. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> well, what we shouldn't have forget about is the youth the tobacco youth prevention program or what the fuck it's called. It's the first thing to back of the night. Which is uh, Trish getting a uh, think face by Rikishi and she never forget the slogan tobacco is wacko when you're a teen. But when you're, we're past the age of 21, tobacco's alright. Just not when you're a teen but when you're a full functioning adult with your own house, your own income you can buy as much tobacco as you want. Yeah, it's really a half catchphrase because they start off like tobacco is wacko and they're like if you're a minor so that doesn't work. Like, it's just really weird, like a half. Silly advert. Silly, silly advert. So we've had someone get hit by a bus. We've had teens drink, uh, smoking. Um, but feel free to take weird fat-burning pills. Yeah. Well, probably just thing. like kitchen bleach and some paprika. <laughs> And also they were advertising this thing, Metaform, which was some sort of weird, like, supplement, fitness supplement, which apparently has its fair share of controversies. So, yeah, <laughs> take these potential dangerous substances and you know, fat burners, but don't smoke, for God's sake. Think for of your God's health. sake, kids. Think of the children. <laughs> well, someone, please think, think of the of children. Think of the children. <laughs> oh, wow. Good times. Good times are had by us. Uh, good times were not had by Trish Stratus on Raw when she got stink faced, and she reiterates her problem: how much she wants Rikishi taken out when she's done to Val as he's trying to do push-ups. And so I've washed my face so many times, but I can still smell it. And then she yells at him for not listening, like a couple that's you know on their last legs in their relationship. And he's like, "Yeah, he's like Trish, yeah, I." I'll take. I'll hold up my end as long as you put up your end. We both want gold around my waist. Uh, so Val is now dropping the porn star thing for a more "quote unquote" serious look. In a few months, he'll probably use, in a few months he's going to cut that long hair of his. But now he's replaced his, his music, his porn star music. Still got the Hello Ladies, but now it's got like a shit version of something you'd hear in a German techno club. Yeah, it's weird. It's like an odd. It's just dance remix number two or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not not the best. Uh, I don't think Val, a guy called Val Venus, uh, whose song starts with "Hello, ladies," is going to be taken too seriously. And I think cutting his hair was probably the last straw. I don't know why he did that because then it was really downhill from there for poor Val. Yeah, what we didn't know is that. What little charisma Val had was all in his hair. So once he cut the hair, it was game over for him. It really was, yeah. And I think they had high hopes for him because didn't he come in and he was like a champion in Mexico or something? Something like that. I'm pretty sure he was like CMLL champion or something. I think that was after, wasn't it? I think it was after he's run. Oh, okay. Maybe. But yeah, I mean, he's another terrible human being, so we could be thankful that his career peaked 
at being racist to Asian people. Okay. And now he just makes weird conspiracy videos and screams at government workers in public, which is genuinely what he's up to these days. Uh, is this just the episode where we just expose what people from this episode are doing now? Like, where are they now? Well, it most can of them be. are doing... Most of them are doing terrible things. Yeah, yeah. Both, both in kayfabe in the case of Jericho and Christian, and in real life. Kayfabe it's weird that this was the also this was the most serious angle on the entire show because this is actually quite brutal. Like yeah. when you compare it to today's wrestling. Yeah, because like the match is nothing. The match is nope. something you set up the angle that happens after it. Pretty much, but, yeah. So the match was the match was like. A minute and a half of Rikishi beating up Val Venus, and then he went for the stink face and Trish threw some cocaine, and uh, they say it's powder, but you know we all know it's particularly cocaine. And then Val somehow I just flips the switch where he just becomes enraged because secretly we all know that was his cocaine that Trish took from his locker room, and so he he looks at Rikishi and thinks she stolen my cocaine, and then he just proceeds to try and murder Rikishi. By you know hanging over the steel steps, Rikishi then not suspiciously at all sneaks his head under the uh, the ring post, and when he comes out, he puts his head back out from the ring post. But Rikishi then mysteriously puts his head under the ring, and when he puts his head back out, he's miraculously bleeding. It's almost as if he needed a way to cover up the fact that he was bleeding. But then Rikishi gets brought back into the ring and then hit with the ring bell while he's referee standing out doing nothing. But, you know, Rikishi is Simone, so even though that hurt, he's still got a hard head, so he keeps coming back. He chases Val up the ramp, they start brawling. You know, Trish gets shooed away, leg drop to Val on the on the stage, super kick off the stage, and then Rikishi just splashes Val off the stage while doing a, a salute to another horrible human being, Jimmy Superfly Snooker, as he does the day. Uh, and Gerald Aller, you know, theorizes that because of the size of Rikishi, potentially all of Val's ribs could be broken. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, a... a <laughs> Rikishi just turned into a monster. They had big plans for Rikishi oh, yeah. uh, for, for a little bit, and it would um, start with him jumping off the stage and end with him being pushed off of a, off of a cage. So, uh, yeah, there, there we go. He's got a big, big year for Rikishi coming up. I look forward to seeing him transition into a bad man. Yeah, he really kills Valvinus. He would never, like, this is the only time in the year 2000 he would ever try and attempt to murder somebody. The only, only time he would try and kill someone else. Repeat that. <laughs> right, he was playing homage to... <laughs> to uh, yeah, maybe that's what he aspired to be. <laughs> maybe. maybe that's what killer of people. Hey, Uncle Snooker, I can kill someone too and get away with it. <laughs> I don't even need Vince's help. <laughs> Allegedly. All I, all I need is Triple H to point me in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, let me get a recap of uh, of the King of the Rings so far. So, out of the, the 32, so far, China, Rikishi, Crash Holly, Bill Buchanan, Chris Benoit, Hardcore Holly. Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, Valmius, and Kurt Angle have all advanced. And on Sydney, he's advertising the boss man versus Bubba Ray Dudley and Devon Dudley versus Perry Saturn. 
on Sunday Night Heat. I'll let you know in advance now. Bubba and Perry end up advancing in the tournament. They don't go much further than the second round. God. What a real grab bag of crap, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Like I said, I, feel, I tried to warn you, like, some people should not have been in this tournament. <laughs> like Perry Saturn, for God's sake. Like, Bossman and Bill Buchanan just suddenly fell out on the roll before us because they lost a match uh, to the Hardys. Bill shoved Bossman, went to walk away, and then Bossman hit him with his nightstick in the back. So, Bossman's on his way out, I think. What was that? What was Barry Horowitz busy or something? Who the fuck are these people? <laughs> oh, wow. Well. Is it main so, event time? It is main event time. Well, actually, no, I put here Benoit is creepy. Uh, I think it's Kevin Kelly asked him what the hell that was all about with Jeff Hardy. He goes, I do whatever the hell I want. No one can tell me what to do. And he says it in a not at all menacing voice. Uh, and then we get <laughs> then it's main event time with DA, Triple H taking on Undertaker, Kane and the Rock. Kane comes out first and then just randomly goes after everybody. It's three on one against Kane as the Rock and Undertaker take the sweet ass time coming in to help Kane. Uh, the first half of this match is pretty much all three men on the face side taking turns at beating up uh, X Pac and the Road Dog while Triple H just stands there. Yeah, this is a this is nothing either. Um, all right, it's just chaos. You forget how chaotic at GS Studio a TV was. Like yeah. it was just it was all moments. Like, and that's what that's what made GS Studio great. Let's not be disparaging it, but. Um, the Estudio is just moments because, and you don't want to look in between it, but then people only remember moments, don't they? You don't remember Bull Buchanan <laughs> being in King of the Ring. You remember what actually happens at the pay per view, which I will not spoil. Oh, uh, Big, ba- Big Barry's got in with a chance, as much of a chance as anyone does Big Barry Buchanan at becoming oh. the King of the Ring. Using wrestling maths, he's got a 1 in 32 chance of winning the the King of the Ring. An update on on the Buchanan family. His son, Brooks Jensen, along with Josh Briggs, just randomly nipped over the the UK and won their tag titles. Oh, really? What, B-squared? Yeah, B-squared's kid, along with Josh Briggs, won the the UK tag team titles. Just because there's just so much empty. 2.0 2.0 people over the UK NXT to probably get better and then they were teasing them versus their current champions. One and a half of the tag champs got injured and so they were just put in a four-way with three full-time NXT UK teams who probably should have won the tag belts. They just thought, nah, give it to these two. <laughs> give it to the Americans. Did B-squared pop up on John Cena's 20th anniversary celebrations? Sadly not, no. Uh, oh well um, but yeah the main event of this Smackdown not great uh, Undertaker won yeah I mean Rock uh, when Rock gets his turning beat up Triple H is lucky Triple H then holds the rope down causing the Rock to fall out of the ring getting Undertaker don't think about helping the Rock as he's getting worked over 3 and one uh, Undertaker gets tied in it's the most like active Undertaker has been in his wrestling uh, since he came back because you know before this, he was wrestling in like his biker gear, like in his match the previous week, we beat Xbox and Road Dog in a handicap match. He didn't even take his jacket and his sunglasses off. 
Yeah, this is when Taker came back and he was like a little overweight, wasn't it? Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah, and he's not great and he ends up actually being hardcore champion for a bit at some point. Well, I think we, I think he's bigger. Things started becoming good when he became hardcore champion because then he was shorter. Taker having feuds with Flair and that ladder match with Jeff Hardy. That's some good stuff in that run. But like I said to you, Sam, him wrestling with this gear on to try and cover up the fact he's gained weight is the equivalent of that fat kid at the pool who won't take his shirt off. Pretty and much. Turn, in turn, it's white and it clings to him. So much like Taker <laughs> here, it, it, it just further it further shows all the fact that this this man is fat. He is he is very fat right now. He needs to get on that treadmill and uh, and burn. He needs some stackers. That's what he needs. He's it. Taker, you need to stop messing about with those knives and guns you got in your backpack. Get off that motorbike and walk to the arena for once. While when taking does he your start wearing his, his double denim gear? Has that been and gone? Uh, I think it, I think that's still to come. Uh, my favorite one's when he turns up to. I think it's one of the pay per views, and he lost his gear, so he's just wearing Godfather's trousers. Oh yeah, that's I think that's Survivor Series. <laughs> this year. He's just wearing those weird snakeskin pimp pants. <laughs> it's pretty oh. great. Fighting in spare gear ain't easy, and the and the Godfather know that. <laughs> the Digger yeah, does get the hot day. Uh, Joe does say X Pop and Jim Stone goes for our pedigree, but Taker fights out of it. Kane and, and The Rock take out, X, take, take out Triple H and Road Dog. One choke slam the X Pop, the faces win, and then so Taker gets attacked by the heels because they're sore losers. Then The Rock somehow swings too high when he's clearly supposed to be hitting Shane, but then somehow manages, how accidentally, to hit Kane in the face with the chair. And then I miss this, so apparently. For the commentators, Triple H bumped into the Rock. Rock turned around and just saw Undertaker and saw hit Undertaker with a chair, thinking Undertaker bumped into him because those two have had enough issues with chairs. But I didn't notice that. I think I looked down for a split second. So it hits Kane. I looked down. I looked back up. I just looked like the Rock's just gone. Ah, fuck this. Might as well. And hits Undertaker with the chair. Yeah, I didn't clock that either. Like, and I was actually paying attention. Um, so. Yeah. And um, yeah, th- and yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought the Rock picked up the chair and then just decided to fucking nuke taker which is like i'm done um yeah it was it was weird it wasn't very well shot perhaps maybe kevin dunn needs to take some responsibility yeah i mean or maybe the trouble who's met bump him um, didn't and so maybe cole was trying to you know cover up for it but once again even though the faction lost they've they've succeeded in turning the good guys the three guys that are trying to take them down against each other so how will they coexist, you know? But maybe uh, an inch for a six-man tag. That they don't. I'm going to have another big six-man tag soon, but they can't team together. What will they ever do? Find out next time. Same taker place, same taker channel. What better way to end a pay-per-view than with a six-man tag? <laughs> yeah, they definitely wouldn't do that in 2022 now, would they? Yeah, they certainly wouldn't do that at King of the Ring. <laughs> wink wink nice nice sponsored by Subway <laughs> which is one of their only normal sponsors like they've got all these random sponsors they're the hottest they've ever been and then they've got these random no name brands and like campaigns about anti teen tobacco shit uh, and then like oh and also Subway I want them to do uh, what AEW did for the little bit Wait, remember when they were sponsored by Cracker Barrel so they were doing like a Cracker Barrel match 
Yeah. Why don't they do like a a subway footlong match or something like that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they do stuff like that nowadays. Like last year's Survivor Series, they had like the Rock Twenty Five Year Battle Royal, where they had just twenty five guys have a battle royal. Which they then inserted an advert for pizza, and there was a street prophet throwing out bits of pizza to people. <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> and no one has to believe wrestling's more popular than ever. <laughs> they're two I mean, they're steps make... away from doing blue chew ads. I mean, they're making more money now than, than ever, and probably be, through making deals like that with Pizza Hut, <laughs> but and people in Saudi Arabia. But you know, you Guys, know we've come to the end. Here was listening. I'll come up with. Um, your best sponsor, um, best sponsor for WWE or a or whatever wrestling company you want, and then what match you want them to create in line with that sponsor. Uh, best idea, where whoever comes up with the best idea, Ben underscore E B E R T will buy you an iTunes copy of Rush Hour Two. <laughs> the best of the Rush Hour movies, arguably. Has to be a strong argument. <laughs> you can make it. <laughs> I'll, I will make that argument, and maybe in a future master debaters, who knows? <laughs> so yeah, get get your entries in to win that sweet sweet coffee. Send your entries to at rogue underscore opinion. Best sponsor combined with best gimmicked wrestling match linked in with that sponsor. All right, but Nathan, we've come to the end of the road for this episode of SmackDown. And also, your experience of this will be different uh, from me or from any other guest because like your 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 opinion on wrestling is different from most others because you're not really watching a lot of it. But Nathan, your overall thoughts on this episode, and also give us your rating. Uh, so, is your you, you give our possible ratings are two thumbs up, a single thumbs up, one thumb in the middle, thumb down, or two thumbs down. So, out of those, where would your thumb be? And if you had to recommend one match, I think I know what one you're going to go for, but one match or moment you would recommend that people go and check out if you had to recommend one thing from the SmackDown. Okay, so, yeah, this fact that was chaotic, didn't feel very important. Uh, Blair. So I'm going to give it two thumbs in the middle, uh, but they're facing away from each other. And my favourite match is probably the Women's Battle Royal, I think. Well, two thumbs in the middle wasn't one of the options, Nathan, but all right. Well, there you go. That's how meh it was. Two thumbs facing, and your hands aren't touching. They're like a court-mandated half a foot apart. All right. I mean, like I said, it wasn't one of the options, but I would expect nothing less from you. At least it wasn't food-related for once. You haven't done a food-related one in a long time. Well, you, you made... You, um, told me it had to be fun related. No, I'm just saying where you would. But no, I'm not getting to this argument. You're ruining it. <laughs> this is why. This is why I won't bring you in full time because you'll just ruin the whole rating system. <laughs> okay. I have worked for less than a few months to try and perfect here. <laughs> I'll I'll give this a relative thumb to the middle. You know, it was there was some good stuff here, but then it was just some stuff, you know, it was too short to really have much made thoughts on. The women's paranoia was forgettable. That's my what dog does Dexter me. think? I think the people, are, the people are tired of listening to you. What does the dog think of the episode? Dexter, what did you think of it? Those are angry barks. Oh, me. my so, God. 
Oh, he hated it. He hated the women's barrel. He thinks the British put women yeah. back 20 years. What's your opinion? Out you go. Yeah. Out you go. Yeah, we don't, we don't have time for your snowflake opinions. Yeah. <laughs> no, no food for you. <laughs> yeah, no food for you. You want progress? Stop, stop eating meat, Dexter. Uh, and stop bringing home random balls you find in the park. <laughs> God damn it, Dexter. I'll give us a thumbs in the middle, like I said. And one match, I'll say maybe the Aircon L title match. Which I think is pretty fair. Even if you have to look at weird Chris Benoit. Weird Chris Benoit. <laughs> it's not the worst thing anyone's ever said about him. The most accurate. One moment, please. <laughs> so, how are you guys? What do you think of SmackDown? Let me know at Rogue underscore opinion. Uh, how would you rate it? Specifically, I want your ratings to be vegetable related. If you could do that for me, that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah, let us know your opinions. Uh, also, at Rogue underscore opinions. Nathan, you have plugs, you have other things you talk about, you know, you try your best not to talk about wrestling, but tell other people what you're doing. Yeah, so um, I'm currently working on donating Scott's dog to a shelter. Uh, hey. So you can you can help me do that by going to at uh, rogue underscore opinion. Um, you can listen to the Naked Men podcast. Um, currently on hiatus for a couple of weeks. The schedule just hasn't lined up, but that is because there will be a special episode hopefully a few episodes if we find time uh that will actually be recorded in person Ooh. uh so that'll be coming at you in uh, a couple of well, less than a couple of weeks actually talking about eight days uh well myself and ben will be reunited in person for the first time in four years uh so been a, been a long time he has returned from his uh captivity uh, he's often he. Some, there was a strong argument that in Taiwan had to keep him for curating reasons, uh, so for study. Uh, but I've won the court case to to bring Ben back to bring my child home um, for a month, and then I do have to give him back to the Taiwanese Museum uh, of uh, Archaeology. Loan. Yeah, yeah, he's on. He's on loan. He's on loan. He's on exhibition uh, around the UK for a month, and then he has to go back. Uh, rumor has it that if we keep him, uh, our peace with China will be ruined. Um, so I'll, I'll keep I'll keep fighting a good fight though. From there, so that's what I've got going on. What have you got going on, Scott? Oh, you know, some bobs here and there. You know, trying to keep the SmackDown series alive after Sam's gone. Uh, we've got the A team. You know, hopefully we make. New content coming out soon from us. Uh, got Pod Nine Easy with me and Carl. We just reviewed the finale of Kenobi. Uh, what Dexter's got going on is that uh, he's got being fed his dinner right now, and then I'm assuming he'll go out for a, he'll go outside and do a very big piss, <laughs> which will annoy the neighbours somehow because some people don't like dogs. <laughs> your neighbours don't like your dog. No, some people don't. Oh, but specifically your neighbours. No, there's an old woman who lives across the back who just hates anything fun. Oh, well, if you are that old lady, let us know uh, why you hate fun at Rogue underscore opinion. And also, don't forget the competition to win an edition of Rush Hour 2. 
uh, let us know your what wrestling, what sponsor you would like to link up with a wrestling company and what sponsor-related match they should create. Yes, please, please, we want to know your entries here. Yeah, maybe we'll talk about them on a future podcast. Maybe we'll try and book some of them, book shows with them on, with those matches on them, try and keep your dream alive. But, you know, I'm struggling to keep my enthusiasm alive because of Nathan's weird food ratings and I'm threatening to sell my dog. So we're going to round this up and Nathan might be back again, maybe if I can force him to, if I get that blackmail on. If there hasn't been an episode for two weeks, you know I'll be back. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Nathan, for joining me anyway. No, it was, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure to stop by. Um, it's such a shame to see the the Rogue Retro Smackdown Review Hotel in such disarray. I remember the glory days when Jimmy would do it. And then obviously under new ownership with Sam and everything's just gone to shit, really. Well, Sam... Uh, I used Sam for the upkeep. Uh, he was doing well for a while, but then he says it was so infrequent that uh, things kind of fell to shit. And I've had so much in my plate, I haven't had time to tidy up. Well, we will aim to tidy up. That's what we will do. We're on a mission to tidy up SmackDown. <laughs> make SmackDown great again. <laughs> Just make it tidy again. Jeez. Yeah. Jam yeah. How about less murderers on the show? <laughs> Let's start uh, there. I can't promise anything. <laughs> no, cannot. We cannot. It's fine. The brand split's not far away. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Anyway, bye-bye, everyone. Uh, bye, guys. We'll be watching Guardians of the Tomb soon. <laughs> no, we won't. One, two, this on? Yo, Jimmy, hit me with that triple H. Tell me who's time it is now